Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. And we are going to just go ahead and jump into the second week of the series um, called Before the Door. And all of us have a before the door um, moment. And so all of us do. We, you started today on the other side of a door, on the other side of your home, on the other side of your bedroom, on the other side of your apartment. You, you started the day there. And every day begins there, begins on the other side of a door. And then you do go through your morning process and you get up and get ready to attack the day, and then you grab that door handle and you walk through that door, and, and the onslaught begins. The day begins. And so what we're going to spend the, an eight weeks looking at is how, what we can do before the door um, that's going to make a difference. Um, and so if you've got your uh, version app open, if you've got your bulletin open, then this is where we begin to track along together. And we're just leading off with this idea that life on the other side of the door has impacted what you do before the door. It's just impacted. It just, there's just no two ways about it. And so um, I am not a morning person and so um, at all. And so uh, I, I think uh, nine, ten o'clock is a good time to get up, and so and uh, and so, you know, some of you are looking down your nose at me. Like, oh, you're one of those, and uh, yes, I am. But I also think you know midnight and one o'clock in the morning is a good time to go to bed. So, um, you know, so w- our family just operates on uh, on a different uh, on a different cycle. But there are things I have to be up early for, and so on Sundays I like to be here and and be able to be a part of everything getting going in the mornings. And so I try to be here um, by 7 a.m. on Sunday mornings. Um, and so, but I'm not a morning person. And so, so that's not my, my nature. And back when we were at the movie theater, when I was at the movie theater with a trailer and already been to Stripes at 6.45 in the morning, and, and there'd have to be a manager there to meet us and open the place up at 6.45 in the morning. And uh, we're certainly grateful for all of those moments. And, um, but because I'm not a morning person, I have to have a routine. I have to double check it. And so my Sunday, I have two alarms. Um, to get up. And then I have an alarm to get out of the shower. I kid you not. Because there's a time vortex that happens in the shower and the, the water feels good and it's like you have no idea what's happening in the world away. And so this, the, if everybody remembers the old Calgon, take me away. Uh, well, it really works. And so you get in that warmth. And so and I have to have a, an alarm that says, Brandon, get out of the shower. And, uh, and so it would just have to have my routine set up because if I didn't have my routine set up, um, there's no telling what time I would be at church. This is a 930 service. I like to get up now. I like to wake up now. And I'm having to be here and preach. So I have to do something that doesn't necessarily fall within my natural makeup to be able to do something that I'm called to do. And as the children of God, that's, our lives are, are better 
if we will let God begin to lead us and he'll ask us to do things that maybe don't necessarily fit with the way we're naturally wired. That all of a sudden we just let everything go the way we would like it to go. And, you know, we turn the alarms off and we turn everything off and we just do what we want to do. Then there's a lot of times this stuff before the door. It it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't make it. So we're talking about making things fit in our, in our day that are going to make a difference. We've been looking at Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10. And here in Zechariah it says, Do not despise these small beginnings. These small beginnings, these little things. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. And of course, last week we talked about who Zerubbabel was, and he was one of the key guys in the rebuilding of Jerusalem after the exile and of the Israelites. And, and, and so the plumb line is just, man, that's just, it's not much has happened when the plumb line's still out. It's just, here's where things are going to go. We want them to be straight. We want them to be right. And, but, but nothing's got started yet. But as soon as that plumb line goes, then okay, we're at least getting this project started. We're at least doing something here. And, and if we'll set things up in the morning, set things up when we're before the door. Man, I'm telling you what, these little changes before the door can have a really big imp- <clears throat> impact. Because there are certain things that are just absolutely, they're absolutely essential. They're just, they're just needed for our life in Christ, where they're just absolutely needed. And um. Back when I was a kid, um, we, our, our household got a hold of um, this awesome new thing where it was called headphones and a, and a little radio that fit. It wasn't even played tapes. It was just the AM, FM radio. And it was old folks have one of those that clipped onto your belt and you had the headphones that were, had the little fuzzy stuff on them, the little thick, squishy stuff. And so when you put those on, and man, you're able to dial in to your local radio station. Well, as a sixth grader, man, I thought, man, that was pretty cool. And so, but um, ours, the, the, the batteries died. And um, for whatever reason, I decided that I wanted to have this because not only was it cool, but it looked cool to have it on. You just put it around your neck and have it plugged in. And whether you were listening to it or not, it, it, it just looked cool. And so for whatever reason, I decided that one day as I, we're heading off to church and I'm getting ready to go to our Wednesday night thing at church and in the sixth grade, and I decided I'm going to grab that and put that on like an accessory. And um, the problem is um, I have two younger sisters who shared that device and knew um, that there were no batteries in it. And so anyway, so I get to church and I, and I uh, have the thing on and I'm sitting there and then uh, this, this uh, one person who, uh, I, I, close your ears, dear, <laughs> who, uh, who I, I thought she was a, an attractive young lady there at our, at our church. And so anyways, and so I was trying to, you know, interact with her a little bit. And so uh, I had my, my thing. And so t- to, to get her attention, um, I put the headphones on and began to enjoy some non-existent music. And it got her attention. And she wanted to listen, too. 
And so now I'm right there in the place that I was like, I wanted to be. She's having a conversation with me and she wants to listen to the music and there's no music. There's nothing there. And I have to be a jerk and tell her, no. <laughs> Which of course, you know, really wins points. And so I've already done that. And then my sister comes by and she sees me doing that. And she's like, Brandon, what are you doing? There's not even any batteries in there. <laughs> and what's sad is the battery compartment was empty. I couldn't even like that. It would have been nice if I had some dead ones. You know, go, no, there's batteries. It was like empty. There was nothing in there. And so, and then I have to tell my sister, I lie to her, oh, we got batteries. And then I'm just caught in this place and the problem, the problem came back to the fact is that I decided to try to use something that was missing an essential piece, some batteries, some batteries. And so many times you and I, and we want to have this connection. We want to walk out in, in the power of God and the love of God and the connection with God. And he's there and he's with us. But we miss an essential connection every morning. We miss that essential connection every morning. And then we wonder why. Our life in Christ doesn't have the power it ought to have as we go out on the other side of the door. And so what we need to do is we need to make sure that we have those essential connections. And folks, and prayer should be an essential part of our daily life. Prayer should be an essential part. There really is a power in prayer. There really is. This place where we're just simply collecting. And I'll use the word essential on here because essential means that it pertains to its essence. Its essence. What is, what is its core makeup? And yes, we're going to look at some other things as we look at this. But the very first one I wanted to cover was prayer. Because yes, we're going to talk about spending time in the word. And we look at the word and we do that. But guess what? We track all this back. And guess what? The, the early church, they didn't have all of the New Testament, but yet they had a life-giving relationship with God. We track back and we go pre-Moses and there's no law. We go back to Abraham who in the, in the scriptures is called the father of our faith. And there's no, there's no scrolls. There's no anything. We have a guy who was, who, was a, who was led his livestock and had his heart open towards God and he had a prayer life. With a God that he wanted to know. That had not yet been fully revealed. And this, this place, this all begins with a man who would be willing to believe God. And the essence of his relationship with God was prayer. It was prayer. He didn't have a holy document to look at. He didn't have a, he didn't have a church gathering. He didn't have any of these things. It comes back to prayer. It comes back to it. We look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. It says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So here's this early church. Everything's just got going. And there are these, these core essential things that they were doing that they were on a regular basis that they were devoted to. And one of them is prayer. Paul writes to the believers in Colossae. There in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Now, you heard on the announcements that uh, as a church, we're starting 
um, 21 days of, of prayer and fasting um, tomorrow. And so all that gets kicked off tomorrow on the 4th. And so we'll go 21 days and it'll wrap up um, uh, three weeks from now on a, on a Sunday. We will celebrate that. Well, we're going to have a, a good time. We're going to have baptisms on that Sunday. And we're going to have a fellowship that night hang, all hanging out together. And so it's going to be a cool time. But over this next period of time, what I will encourage you to do is take something that you would normally have a part of your routine before the door and add some prayer. Add some prayer. Add some time talking to God in the morning before you get going. It coincides. The, the um, studies tell us it takes 21 days to make a habit. And so hopefully by the end of this 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, and you take a little bit of moment before the door to be able to have some time in prayer, then at the end of this time, maybe it's just a habit. Maybe you just carry it on. Maybe you just take your own prayer life that you already have to a deeper place. Um, notice um, that we were strategic and we started prayer and fasting after the Super Bowl. And so um, we were compassionate to you. So you didn't have to go to those Super Bowl parties and stare at all that food. And so you go, I can't do it. So, or maybe we weaned out. I don't know. We were either weaned out or we were compassionate. Let's call it compassionate. And so... We want you to participate is the deal. Um, but anyways, let's look at Luke uh, 19, verse 46. And um, here Jesus is, has got upset. And this is the, the most angry, the, most, the biggest outburst we see out of Jesus. And this is where he cleanses the temple. And, and they had turned the temple into a place where they were, they were taking advantage of, of poor people and using the religious system to make money, and it really ticked Jesus off. And, and he cleanses the temple, and he, he overturns tables, and he drives out the money changers, and, and, and Jesus, Jesus does this, and, and nobody bows up to Jesus. And when this is done, Jesus says, it's written that my house will be a house of prayer, and you've made it a den of robbers. You've made it a den of thieves. He's like, if my house is going to be one thing, it should be a house of prayer. And you're like, okay, Brandon, I get that. He's there in the temple. Okay, so maybe this building is kind of our new temple, and this place should be a house of prayer. Let's look at the New Testament version of the temple. Paul writes to the people in Corinth, and he says... In 1 Corinthians 3.16, he says, Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? So if God's house, if his temple is supposed to be a house of prayer, then who's supposed to be a house of prayer? We are. We are. We are supposed to be a house of prayer. We should be a place where if there's any kind of thing, that, we, that prayer is a common, normal, regular thing in our lives. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything. Think of a handful of people in here deal with some anxiety sometimes. Sometimes the, the pressures of life, the stuff that on the other side of the door, sometimes the stuff inside the door can bring some anxiety. 
But certainly stuff on the other side of the door can bring anxiety. It says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. The answer to getting weighed down with anxiety is just opening our mouths and opening our hearts and talking to God. Just inviting him into that place where we're having our struggles and just talking to him about it. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writes and says, Rejoice always. And then he says this little command that seems like, how do we do this? He says, pray continually. He's like, Paul, don't you know I've got a job? Don't you know I have stuff to do? Pray continually. And the best illustration I know of to help us understand this concept of continual prayer actually it comes about with, with, with texting. And so my wife is a wonderful example of what it looks like with relationships to keep a conversation going continually. And she has a number of people that she just has this ongoing conversation with that they never really say that goodbye or whatnot. It's just constantly going. And at the end of the day, you go to sleep, it kind of ends. And the next day, it kind of begins. And it's just, just random stuff, serious stuff, all these things that she talks to a, a handful of her friends. And these are just... It's just constantly open. And that's what Paul is talking about with his continual prayer. That having an awareness that God is always right there. He's Emmanuel. He's always right there with us. So we don't have to go and, and do the official prayer posture where we go and get on our, our knees and kneel before him and do those kinds of things. That, that, that can be a, a great thing if, if, if you like to do that in prayer. But we can have just regular prayer. Eyes open, talking to God, prayer, conversation with God, prayer, and just keep it rolling all the time. In fact, prayer is simply conversation with God. So many times prayer can seem, especially if you're new into this thing and, and as a believer, prayer can feel like um, intimidating. Like, I don't know if I, wanna, if I can do this right. And especially if you've been around uh, church sometimes, and then all of a sudden you're talking to somebody, and then when they go to prayer, um, it's like they somebody flipped the dialect switch, and then all of a sudden it's uh, thou heavenliest father, and their voice changes, and now they have these and thous and thuthiv, and a little bit of a lisp as they're praying. And, you're, and then they say amen, and then they go back to talking around. You're like, if that's, I don't know how to do that. I don't know, does, does God have a certain like, dialect he prefers? Does, does, what is going on here? And sometimes we, we feel like that prayer is this inaccessible thing when really it's just talking to him. It's just simply talking to him. Um, I was reminded of this about a month ago, and um, I uh, pray with my, the little ones at night, calling in Brooklyn. And, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what did you do up here, dear? There's some sort of calling and pressing. <laughs> uh, and uh, so we pray at night, and, and uh, we have a, a little prayer that we always end with. And, um, and so, but 
Pressy, we, we do that prayer, and it's the same prayer all the time and has little motions to it. And so, it, and, you know, we mean it. Um, but Pressy was like, Dad, um, can we do a real prayer tonight? And I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And so she wants to do a real prayer. And she's matured enough at five years old to see that this memorized thing that we do, which is sweet and meaningful to us, and she'll call me out if I don't do it at the end, but she wants to make sure there's real prayer connected with it, which is just talking to God. And you listen to her, and she'll, she will pray for her friends, and she prays for, for her parents to have a good day the next day, and she's laying the foundation there, and I'm thankful for that. And, and what is so sweet is she will then just... All of a sudden, just turn it, and she's saying, and God, um, I really like, and she'll start saying what she likes. She's like, I really like um, Everly's YouTube channel, and I really like that. And then she'll start saying what she really likes, and just like it's a conversation, because it is. It is. See, a five-year-old can get it, and we turn prayer into something that it was never supposed to be. We turn it into some sort of religious activity, when really it's just supposed to be a conversation. In fact, if there's a God talking and man talking, we call that prayer, right? Let's look at Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3 Verse 9, and this is after the fall, Adam kind of goes his own way. It says, but the Lord called to the man, where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Folks, this prayer. God calling out, wanting connection. Where are you? I want some connection with you. And Adam being honest and saying, I'm, I'm, I've hid because I'm afraid of you. And Adam is being honest and he is talking about what he's dealing with. And God's saying, I want connection with you. And this looks like dialogue and a conversation, but it's prayer. It's man talking to God and God talking to man. And folks, in, in here in this moment where there's the first place of brokenness in the relationship with God and humanity, and it was still just conversation. It was still just conversation. Let's take the, 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 the mystery out of prayer, and let's just say good morning to God. Let's try that in our 21 days of fast. You wake up in the morning, say, good morning, Lord. I'm, I'm glad to be awake. I'm glad my eyes open today. Lord, you, you know I've got some stuff to handle, and I'm going to need your strength. And I thank you that you're with me. Just that simple. It doesn't have to be hours and hours. It can turn into that. It might. Or it can be a minute or under. It doesn't have to be a long time. When I'm saying make some time for prayer, I'm saying just some conversation with God. Let's take the weight off of this and let's just open up the communication lines and let's just talk to God. Let's look at Luke chapter 11. 
Luke chapter 11 verse 1 says, One day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples to pray. Now, I want to, you've got to put this in context, okay? Jesus' disciples were good Jewish boys. Jesus' disciples, they were, they were good Jewish men. They had grown up with prayer. They had grown up with religious activity. And yet, it says one day, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, so they're eavesdropping on Jesus praying. They're listening to Jesus pray. And when he's done, they're like, there's something different about the way you pray. We need you to teach us how to pray. These are people who grew up praying. These aren't people who are brand new to this, who, who just lived a life completely disconnected from an awareness of God and are saying, I'm brand new to this. I don't know what to do. Teach me to pray. These are people who've been praying their whole lives. But there was something different about the way Jesus prayed that when they got through listening, they're like, teach us. Teach us to pray. And so he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Say, Father. Open it up with that family personal connection. Jesus referred to Heavenly Father as Abba. That's the Hebrew version of Daddy or Papa. And we tend to do that. We can make religion, religion can make Father into a ten-syllable word. Father. No, it's just Father. It's just Papa. It's just Daddy. And I know with some of you that you don't necessarily have the best fatherly context and that doesn't give you warm fuzzies. But God wants to reprogram that for you. He wants to give you a new feeling when the word daddy comes out of your mouth, when the word father comes out of your mouth. And he's going to reprogram that on you and set you free from some things as you address him as father. And you begin to connect with him as father. That's what he wants to do and it's supposed to be personal it's supposed to be intimate it's supposed to be natural says father hallowed be your name and again is a word we don't use so let's look at some other versions of this the message translation says to when he said when you pray say father reveal who you are set the world right i love the way eugene peterson put that it's reveal who you are show us who you are we want i want to understand you a little better I want to understand you a little better. You ever talk to somebody you care about and say, hey, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Spouses, you ever ask that question? You're like, no, that's a loaded question. I do not ever ask that question. You do not want to know what I'm thinking right now. No. But that who are you, that what are you thinking, that is a reveal who you are question. I want to know you a little better. I want to know what's going on in your head right now. It's, a, it's an intimate question. So what are you thinking? Pity for your thoughts. What's going on up there? That's how we should begin to interact. God, what, what, what are you, what's important to you? What's going on with you? I want to be on page with you. Contemporary English version puts it this way. So Jesus told them, pray in this way. Father, help us 
to honor your name. Come and set up your kingdom. Lord, help us to, to, to just connect with you in a good way that, that honors who you are and, and what your heart is. And so with this, with it being conversational and, and whatnot, that, that the, the truth is, is that prayer begins our relationship with God and it sustains our relationship with him. And, and this should not surprise us. This shouldn't surprise us in the least. Again, going back to, to Abraham, going back to the garden, prayer is the common denominator. Prayer's been the constant Throughout there, we've added study of the scriptures and a bunch of these other things, and, and they're life-giving and they're great, but prayer has to be the baseline. But when we begin our relationship with God, we look at Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10. It says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then, then you'll be saved. You'll, you'll receive salvation. It says, for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And, it, and that relationship with God begins with just opening our mouth. Begins like all relationships begin. By opening your mouth and saying something. By sliding into the DMs. <laughs> you need to slide into God's DMs every morning. Ooh, what's up, God? How you doing? I want to be talking to you all day long. We need to do that. We need to connect with God in the morning. Now, see, Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve had this conversational thing. But when in their time of need, they hid. And you and I, we don't need to hide. The writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. In our time of need. Now, sometimes we can think our, in our time of need is when we go back to that, the Lord is our shepherd and I shall not want. I have some sort of physical need in my life. And we can approach him in our time of need. But as a child of God, our time of need is when we're probably not handling things very well. Maybe we've got ourselves into a sticky situation. Maybe we've got ourselves into a place where we've made some unwise decisions and we have created a time of need that... Adam and Eve hid themselves in their time of need, but because of our relationship with God, we can boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need so that we can find grace and mercy. If we have the wrong mindset with God, then we will only want to talk to him when everything is going good. We'll treat it like, like we do our, our mobile banking app. We want to look at it on payday, and we don't want to look at it two days after that. Uh, it is going to make me sad. It is going to make me sad. No, we'll get the next deposit. We'll look at it then. It'll make me happy. And we treat God that way. Things aren't going the way we want to go. I just don't want to talk to you right now. You know, I had a good connection with somebody. Lord, I just want to thank you. And I'm feeling really good. And it's easy to talk to God when we feel like things are going in the right direction. And sometimes we won't talk to God 
when we need to the most. When we need to the most, when things are going sideways, when we just lost it with someone we love, with someone we care about, when we feel we're about to explode with anger or whatever, we feel we're about to slip back into a, a bad decision pattern. And we need to look to God in our time of need. Our bottom line this morning is open your heart in prayer before you open your door out there. Just open your heart in prayer before you open your door to go out there. And as soon as we start that, then we can keep that conversation rolling. And it can be little things, little things. Most of you who have long text conversations, there are a whole lot of little back and forth, not paragraph to paragraph to paragraph. Just keep it open. Keep it going. And I'm telling you, it makes a difference. Before you leave your home, connect with God in a meaningful way. That is what this is about. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.